This episode is sponsored by the practice of Dr. Bayana Yankovich Weatherly. Dr. Bayana started her integrative medicine practice with the solitary goal of supporting her patients to live at their highest level of health. She will help her patients' path to better health, higher energy, and more joy and fulfillment. She is determined to do this with the best evidence-based tools for healing and restoring balance that Western integrative and functional medicine have to offer. Visit drboyana.com. That's D-R-B-O-J-A-N-A dot com. On this episode, we have Matthew Lazarus. Matthew studied psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. The year he graduated, he lost his father to multiple sclerosis. This has impacted his life in terms of seeking a professional and personal journey full of intentional decision-making forged by a socially conscious framework. He has worked as a consultant, has developed apps for startups, and is now co-founder of Heal Ventures, a startup studio building and investing in the mental health and wellness verticals. Matthew, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for having me, Asim. It's a pleasure. It's really great to have a fellow Penn alum. Always a joy. Quakers <laughs> represent. That's right. That's right. Now, Matthew, you grew up in New York, correct? Yes, I grew up in Long Island. Okay, okay. What was that like? What were some of the things you did for fun? I used to go bike riding. I used to go to the beach in the summers, uh, hung out with friends. We would play ping pong and video games and and uh, work out. Uh, we started working out pretty early as kids. It's <laughs> uh, a good discipline to have. Yeah, I remember meeting up with a friend and we would like go running around his block and do sit-ups on his stoop. So, nice. uh, yeah, um, those are those are some of the leisurely activities that we would find ourselves doing. Do you have siblings? I have siblings. I have I have half siblings on both sides of my uh, on both sides of my family. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Excellent. So when you were looking at various universities, uh, what was it about Penn that attracted you there? Honestly, uh, I was very passive in my search, in my university search, and it was a good friend at the time who uh, put in my head the idea of the school. And I said, this sounds great. I, I really hadn't given it much thought. And I applied early and they said, we'd love to have you. And so it was a first, it was a first match for both of us. Nice. That worked yeah. well. Had you visited prior to that? No, I visited after the fact. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Um, I love hearing stories like that. So um, while you were at Penn, you gravitated towards the psychology department, which is one of our strongest departments. Um, what was it about psychology that appealed to you? Well, I didn't gravitate towards it fully at first. And okay. it was similar. I was quite passive in also selecting my major. Uh, just like I was in selecting the school. <clears throat> I, uh, I actually started just by, I did a very like playbook or like a very quintessential, like first year of college. Let me try everything. Let me mm. dabble in humanities and the sciences. Uh, feel into all of the general, whatever they call them, the general generals or requisites or whatnot. And, uh, and I took intro to psych and that was cool. And then the next year as a sophomore, I, I, I started to explore more science and more like medicine, like 
chemistry and biology. I was like, that's not really for me. And, uh, and then I went away to New Zealand. I studied abroad there for a semester. And uh, I was like, what am I going to fill this last class with? Because I had already I filled it up with all the classes that were just going to be super easy so I could enjoy my time there. <laughs> and, uh, and I saw computer science. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me try that out too. And so I had a blast doing computer science in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Came back and then tried to do it at Penn. And I was like, what is going on here? This is way harder. <laughs> and, uh, so, I was like, so I was like, let me just, let me take it easy. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then I looked at my, my, uh, I looked at my credits and I talked to my advisor and I was like, how am I going to graduate? And, and we saw that there was a lot of psych, like I had a lot of, there was still a threat of psychology, even in New Zealand, even in my junior and sophomore years. And I was like, at the end of the day, I'm, I've been a people person mm. my whole life. And I was sitting in one of my classes, I think junior year. Uh, called Judgment and Human Decision-Making, which was taught by uh, Jonathan Barron and Barbara Mellers, mm-hmm. who are some of the experts in human decision-making, forecasting, mm. uh, decision, you know, de- uh, prediction markets, and using the wisdom of crowds. And I was like, this seems really powerful. This seems like... Uh, this seems like it, it'll, it'll come in handy. And, uh, <laughs> and so I dedicated my senior year to really like rounding out psychology. And, uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. Nice. I really enjoyed it. It felt like, it, it felt like a lot of flow. Nice. So there was something about that human decision-making class that really struck a chord with you. Yeah. I remember sitting there being like, this is good. Like this is, this, this hits home. Was it a sense of, uh, wow, this is cool. I really like to explore this more, or this is a great toolbox <laughs> that I can apply later in life. Yeah. It was really, yeah, it was really both. And, uh, I, I just, something resonated within me that was like, it's, it's important to understand how decisions are made because and I, I didn't realize this immediately, but, uh, it was this realization that we really are to some degree uh, characterized by our decisions. And to the degree that we make those decisions consciously or unconsciously has a large influence on where we end up and where we're going and how we get there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, What are some of the ways that decisions impacted your life up until that point? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, case in point, I, I passively, uh, I passively decided what to school, what what school to go to. I passively chose my major, and on the one hand, you could see it as like, oh, this guy doesn't make like conscious, active decisions in his life. And then on the other hand, there was something inside of me that was feeling the flow of energy mm. that was that was there for me without without following the path that so many people around me had followed, which was, I need to go to this school. Yeah. And if I don't go to this school, I'm going to, it's a failure, or I need to, I need to get this consulting job or this job in finance. That wasn't there for me. To some degree, there was an element of, of not going with the flow, but trusting the flow and not feeling that level of future or outcome orientation that, that, you know, that when I think about a lot of times I, I see my peers and I'm like, 
maybe I should have gone that, that down that path and, you know, you know, gotten all those crazy jobs and all of that. And then I talk to a lot of them now and they're like, Oh, well, I regret making all of those sacrifices or I've burned out. And so, yeah, there's the decision-making for me has been something around following the energy uh, and trusting that it's, it's leading somewhere that I don't really know where it's going. Yeah. So fascinating. Um, you're going to live longer than the rest of us because the stress and anxiety we put ourselves through, um, we envy <laughs> your approach. It's, it's a lot healthier. It's very uh, Buddhist. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Buddhist. It's, there's a Taoist aspect to it. Um, yes. I think that meant more Taoist than I Yeah. Did. Like of, of following, of going, of going with the Tao, but, uh, it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go, my, my twenties were not without stress, uh, very much in the spirit of the same kind of flow. I became a tech recruiter for New York city's tech startups. Was so that, uh, Mobileocity or? No, so that was my first job out of school was tech yeah. recruiting. Gotcha. And, I saw, and recruiting is cool. Cause you're, you're, you're seeing what's on the horizon. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're kind of a bridge between where companies are and where they want to go and who they need to get them there yeah, and yeah. where people want to go and what talents and skills they want to lean into and cultivate to find more meaning and, and money and whatever fulfills them. And you're sitting at this intersection vantage point, piecing together the dots. So, uh, mobile which was my mobile development agency that I co-founded with Neil came about because one day as a recruiter, mm. a guy walks into my office, thinks I'm a venture capitalist, pitches me his app idea. I am like, what is going on here? But then a few days later, Neil walks in and shares with me that he has resources to build mobile apps. And I said, what if we teamed up to build this? So it was my, that's been my life has been just like sensing, listening, seeing what's there and then making decisions and placing bets mm. in certain directions. But and this is to bring it back to your, your point is that when I, when I stepped into entrepreneurship and started to run my company, I fell into the same types of burnout and stress. Like I was working 15 hour days. I was, I was getting home at 10 o'clock, uh, doing whatever I could to make client, make sure clients were happy that we were bringing in more money. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that ran its course for four or five years. Um, so I, maybe I'll live a little bit longer, but I'm not going to ascribe that to, uh, to a lack of burnout or a lack of, uh, uh, um, professional stress. Got you. Um, what did the app do? So we built apps for companies. Oh, so whatever the, their needs were. They, yes. Yeah, Agency, you. consultancy. Uh, we got, we basically got paid well to learn how to do, how to do business. That's great. It's a smart way to do it. <laughs> we, we got our PhD in entrepreneurship and a whole, <laughs> a whole range of skills that come into play when it comes to client services, yeah. product management, development, strat business strategy. Gotcha. And so you ran that until about 2017. Um, what happened as a transition point? Was the company sold? No, so in 2017, we simply, uh, we rebranded. Oh, okay. Uh, so that became... 
Yeah, to reflect that it was less so about building mobile apps, but more so about building companies. And that's building, Ar Archbolt. That was Archbolt, yeah. Building ventures. Uh, so we ran that for another two, two some odd years. And, uh, and then Neil and I decided that we were done with consulting because it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard to shut off the, uh, to shut off the, uh, the, the, to cut off the hand that feeds you. But we, we, we were realizing like, while we learned a lot, uh, and while we had helped a lot of entrepreneurs and companies get where they wanted to go. And this comes back to my decision-making background, which is that at the end of the day, we all, we all have biases and we all have preconceived notions about things and those can hinder our decision-making. And so as an entrepreneur, if one, if you're not aware of your own biases, then you're, you're almost like you're, it's almost certain death. Yeah. Uh, but if you're, if you have hypotheses and assumptions and if you're not testing those rigorously and truly validating them, you're, you're, you're playing entrepreneur, you're playing in a playground. So we were, we basically were evangelizing this idea around validation and how do you prove your concepts out? And that's a lot less lucrative than just building somebody's app for them. Sure. <laughs> and it's a lot less reward. It's a lot, it's a lot more rewarding, but it, it didn't work out because the, the economic incentives for the agency were to book as much business as possible and not really rock that boat. So right. we realized that. And at the same time, we started to become more and more conscious about our own journeys and about mental health and wellness and that we wanted to put our, our uh, energy towards our own callings in that space. Nice. And that is how Heal Ventures was born. Yes, that's, yeah. where, that's where Heal Ventures came about um, late last year, late 2019, and has evolved into some of the first ventures that we're building ourselves. So we finally, after after those six or seven years of, of, you know, teaching others how to do it or, you know, walking or supporting people along their journeys, we get to, uh, we're in the trenches ourselves now. And, and I have a lot more respect for, and a lot more empathy, uh, seeing it on the other side. Yeah. What, what it really takes to bring something to life. I can completely, uh, imagine and understand that. Um, you used a term wantrepreneur a few seconds ago um explain uh, i i think we can clue in on what that is but i'd love to hear how you describe that yeah entrepreneurship or being an entrepreneur is wanting to like create a company do the whole startup thing be really attracted to that uh but not really willing to make the hard decisions and do the hard work that comes with validating an, uh, an assumption or a hypothesis or an idea and only focusing on the things that feel safe like they'll stick with the comfortable things building a product designing a business card working on a logo things that are tangible and certain versus the things that are scary and require challenging one's own assumptions and require what my professor used to call active open-mindedness, which is going out there into the wilderness and putting your idea to the test with customers, partners, investors, and seeing how they respond to it in different, in different varying ways, because that's a lot harder. And it, it goes against the confirmation bias that we all, that's one of the biggest biases that we all fall prey to. Nice. Well said. That's great. Um, going back a little bit, um, you also had a company called Instagrowth Guru. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, something that one of my partners or associates uh, had been doing. He basically helped uh, brands grow their Instagram followings. So I got a taste of that. Uh, I got a taste of that, uh, and that that helped bridge the gap between shutting off consulting mm-hmm. and and getting a taste of what it's like to be in the gig economy or the 1099 world where instead of selling these high ticket consulting items selling this much more SaaS level uh program so i did that for a few few months and it it helped to uh bridge that bridge that gap um and get a taste for that and then from there i I stepped more into uh coaching on a part-time basis got you and you call it transformation coaching that's right so who would an ideal client for you be uh, as a transformation coach? So one of the things that, or one of the principles that I uphold when it comes to coaching is that you can really only responsibly coach someone on things or areas that you have largely uh, unlocked or achieved in for yourself. And the word coach is also really loaded these days. We're seeing it crop up everywhere. But ultimately, it is sort of a level, it's a level of mentorship on an area where one has life experience. And and so for me, uh, looking at the facilitation work that I've done with a lot of founders and seeing a lot of the challenges that founders face in in, in their holistic aspect of their lives, be it business, strategy, as well as mental, emotional, relational health, uh, the ideal, the ideal uh, customer or client on the coaching side has been the, uh, the founder, the probably mid, the founder in their mid to late 20s who wants to go somewhere but also is realizing that the journey is perhaps just as if not more important than the destination and uh, especially entrepreneurs at large, there's this whole emphasis on high achievement and high performance and fear and, and a mixed relationship with failure that it can be very, very challenging and daunting for these founders to go it alone and not to mention the financial, uh, not to mention the financial challenges and concerns and, and worry and anxiety that comes with the, the highs and lows of, of true entrepreneurship. Yeah. So, so did, did have, have been doing that uh, part-time it's afforded me the ability to, to work on heel and work with my business partner. And we're starting to see th- something really interesting uh, converge where my unifying life project or my calling or life's work is starting to, uh, turn into this converging project or venture with Neil and a few others who we've been speaking with around helping high performers and high achievers uh, live a more fulfilling, satisfying, and holistically balanced life. Uh, So it's taking what I've been doing in coaching, taking what we've learned in entrepreneurship, bringing those together with all of our skills in venture building to create a platform or an ecosystem that can start to serve this uh, this really really powerful segment, and it's not just founders, but high high performers and achievers who are just about reaching that point in their lives where, if you look at the theory of change, 
there's people who are in the pre-contemplative state where it's like, I don't really need to worry about it. I'm not really thinking about it. There's contemplation where people are like, ah, uh, we're having a, like something's off here. I need to make a change. Moving into preparation and committing to taking action, but not necessarily knowing how to go about doing so. The action phase, which is running into obstacles and there's a lot of challenges there. And then the maintenance phase with that specific behavior. So all of these high performers, seeing the challenges that they face when they want to make a change in, their, in the interest of their lives and their interests of their wellness, uh, helping them navigate that process and that journey more seamlessly with less pain, less suffering, more gracefully. And the big kicker here is that we, we, we all know in our lives that there's either we face adversity on our own or there's someone, else, there's someone around us who's faced adversity and that's a lesson for everybody but it usually takes some crisis, some crisis of consciousness that triggers someone moving from pre-contemplation or just, you could call it ignorance into wanting to take some action or contemplating that something's off here or something's missing or they want more in life. And we believe that it doesn't have to be a crisis to get someone there or the crisis can be, the landing of that can be a lot less painful than it is for so many of us. So we're, that's some of the ideas that we're exploring with our our first, uh, our first internally incubated venture, which we're calling Be Well. Oh, nice. That's a great name. I love that name. Um, and I love what you shared about a kind of being a parachute um, or create a soft landing for this crisis of conscience. Um, the other aspect of that, though, I, I feel is sometimes um, an external tragedy is necessary to push people off the cliff. That's the unfortunate truth is a lot of us need to, it's like we almost need to see it or experience it to believe it or to get there. And a question that we're asking ourselves is what kind of maybe positive influences or, or what kind of experiences that don't require someone having to go through this themselves can activate, truly activate that intrinsic growth opportunity. I'm very intrigued by this and uh, how it propagates and the motivations. That's right. That's right. And, and even just hearing somebody else's journey vulnerably, authentically uh, inspires someone to recognize like that they're, they have their own unique path and that even the challenges that they face might be a source of mentorship or inspiration for others. And that, uh, you know, it's, it's really honoring and celebrating that each of us have a unique journey. And at the same time, that there's a shared experience that we're not alone uh, as we navigate this thing called life. Um, Matthew, it occurs to me that you really shed your passivity once you had that meeting with Neil. Definitely made a conscious decision of where we wanted to go. And yet the universe decided to keep throwing us uh, tests and keep throwing opportunities our way that were still in line or they were in the direction of where we wanted to move, but weren't, wouldn't reflect us playing all win or all out when it comes to what we want to, where, where our life's work and calling is. So it, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy to make that declaration and to stick with it and that it requires a deep, deep clarity and intentionality on uh, in, in terms of where we go. The, yeah, the phrase I think we, we talked about it is you can live with intention or you're going to be in a state of tension or in 
intention. So to speak. I like that. That yeah. um, it, it reminds me of the uh, bifurcation of disease, disease. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that you fear the most is precisely what you need to embrace. Amen. I, I've been living by that as well, especially these past few weeks. So that resonates. I can identify with that big time. Matthew, on your LinkedIn profile, you've got this great, um, it, I, it almost reads like a manifesto, which I think is brilliant. It's multiple paragraphs. There's one that really caught my, my attention, one, one, sign, one sentence, one, one line. Um, Use business as a means to blend heart, wisdom, and scientific rigor. Yeah. So share with us why those three and what that means to you. Thank you. On the one level, business is really an extension of our heart's greatest desire. If we really can dig in, whether we're an entrepreneur at our own company or at a, in a startup or, or at, an, at a big company, there's something inside, if, we, if we're really clear with ourselves, that knows or has a sense of where do we want to go and why we want to go there and what's behind that. And so that's where heart comes into play. And when we think about, uh, when we think about wisdom and we think about the greater intelligence that's, that's here for us, it's that as a human being, we're in this really, really interesting position where we can, we have an inner world, we have, there's an outer world and we have these, we have this beautiful tool or uh, this beautiful thing. I don't want to call it a thing. It's just this, this body that enables us to interact with the world, listen to the world, see the world and engage with its energies uh, in a, in a really like intimate, uh, immediate, immediate way. And so this wisdom to be able to listen and to ask questions and to see how we feel and how that differs based on the direction that we're moving or the questions that we're asking has to do with that wisdom and the scientific rigor of how we blend all of these worlds of left brain, right brain, east and west and uh, logic and emotion and all of that is that if we have an intention or if we have a question we can pose that to the universe in a way and, and design it almost as if it's a scientific experiment whereby if we're clear on what we're looking for or what variables we're measuring or what feedback that's going to come back to us and also keeping openness of surprise and, and not knowing what exactly we're looking for, we can then take that and start to feel it, analyze it, understand it. And so that's the scientific rigor and the heart that blends to how we make sense of what's what's here for us in the world, whether it's a new business idea, whether it's a new in initiative within a company, whether it's a new thing that we want to explore in our relationships or, or a new hobby we want to explore, that is where we're able to uh, bring this holistic, multidimensional uh, openness towards life. That's really great. Really appreciate that answer. That's a very thoughtful response. That was fantastic. Um, 
in, in talking about uh, Heel Ventures, you mentioned um, what sounded like your first uh, platform uh, called mm-hmm. Be Well. Yes. Uh, tell us about what that uh, platform is and the inspiration behind that being your lead. Yeah, it, it, it starts with, I mean, so the question that you just asked around heart, it's, it really started with our own experience as high performers and high achievers struggling to balance our mental health because we had prioritized our financial well-being and our achievement and external success at the expense of these different areas of life, mental, emotional, relational, uh, social, uh, financial, not financial, but uh, just this balance and harmony. And so we started to, we started to realize that and experience the effects of that in terms of stress, Neil, my business partner was experiencing some really acute forms of stress and anxiety. And, uh, and then when we started to share this with more and more people, I mean, I was losing my hair. We started to share this with more and more people. We realized a lot of people are experiencing this too. So we asked ourselves, uh, why is this happening? And is there any way to, to like we were talking about earlier, smooth this landing or, or just start to attack this problem because at every stage of that, that cycle that we talked about, there are just so many challenges and there's so much friction, whether it's wanting to make a change, but not really knowing where to start deciding to make a change, but running into obstacles along the way and not being able to sustain habits or having the right mentors or guidance. Uh, even when making a change, not falling back into relapse, deciding what's, what works for me or what doesn't. So there's all these aspects that we experience in our own journeys. Uh, case in point with Neil, he would come to me and ask, or, and other people in his network and ask them and, and ask me, you know, where, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And not all I could share was the things that have worked for me. Yeah. And he, but he trusted that. So he would try some of those things. And then his friends would go to him and say, what's worked for you. And so he would do that as well. And so we noticed that there's this huge social layer or this trust that people have. Uh, and at the same time, there's so many options that are out there for what somebody could do to take their, to balance out their lives. But it's, it's almost too much. There's this information overload. So we, are, we wanted to explore how we could scale that interaction and scale the magic of that experience uh, and that's where Be Well uh, came to be. Nice. Uh, that's fantastic. Father went uh, through a health issue. Um, wondering if you'd be willing to share about what that experience was like from your perspective. Yeah, he passed away in 2012. So my senior year of college. And uh, uh, I mean, he had MS for my whole life. Um, he was diagnosed maybe 10 or a dozen years before I was born. And so that had a huge impact in terms of seeing that and my mom took care of him and that whole experience and that shaped a lot of the good qualities and also some of the, some of the destructive qualities uh, in terms of, in terms of, of how I show up in the world or how I used to show up in the world. And so that had a major influence and a lot of my work has been to really understand what is, what's there for me. What has that taught me? Where has that potentially limited me? And where does that also, where, where has that given me superpowers? And so when he passed, uh, it was, I mean, 
I was in I was in my senior year of college, and I was frankly pretty numb to life at that point with you know drinking and and you know cannabis and all of that, and so it actually took a lot of the men's work that I've been doing to hold that space and for me to actually go there and experience the suffering of the morning that I hadn't. Uh, and so in the last two years, I've actually been able to process that and grow from that and share in that and be witnessed by conscious men and women and sharing that. And it's enabled me to show up bigger in my relationships with myself. Uh, so it's had a profound impact, um, but not, not in the way that, uh, not in the non it's it's been in the non-linear way <laughs> which most beautiful things in life are that's great matthew this has been such an inspiring conversation my pleasure seem i am grateful to be here uh it's an honor achieve is recorded at subtractive and hangar 8 at the santa monica airport music is produced by hennedy